All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peachtree, 5th next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new PA contractor number PA039007. The Park Diner, serving Lawrence Park and beyond since 1948. Fresh locally roasted coffee is always on the menu and goes great with a slice of house-made pie any time of day. Yes, even for breakfast. Lunch features Park Diner's original Greek sauce recipe handed down from owner to owner, plus daily soup, sides, and more. Quality food at affordable prices. Served in an authentic Silk City dining car. Experience the classic charm of the Park Diner. Open Tuesday through Sunday, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Main Street in Lawrence Park. Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. With us uh, for his monthly meeting is the county executive, Brenton Davis. And uh, Brent, uh, it's election day. And uh, I tell you what, um, a lot of interesting races out in Erie County. Yeah, it's election day, you know, so hopefully folks get out there and vote, you know, for those that didn't mail in their ballots and uh, those that haven't, hopefully they make the time to do their duty and uh, Mm -hmm. make their selection, let their voice be heard. I think it would be helpful to hear from the chief executive about the competency in our election office. Tanya and the staff... They do an amazing job. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I get questions about this all the time. You know, the the great steal of 20, as they call it. I mean, I can't say this, and I've said this for years. You know, if there's ever a Republican that, you know, aside from Trump, that a lot of folks wanted to keep off the ballot, you know, if there was a steal to be had, I wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, Senator Laughlin, I mean, you sit there and look at it. I can tell you. I mean, I've looked at the 2% sampling. I've looked at the audits, you know. I mean, in, in my race alone, I mean, collectively, there's over $1.1 million was spent in a year of my life, you know. You wouldn't put that kind of thing on the line if you thought the, the, the system was rigged, you know, and that's something that we just need to quit talking about. I mean, as Republicans, you know, I'm disappointed in people that keep peddling that myth. Now, I can't say what other places and things that go on there, but I can tell you definitively, here in Erie County, I mean, there is no broad fraud like the election wasn't stolen you know just like these are fair elections these folks do a great job here you know and you know we observe it and i mean even look at uh your chair of elections is charlie bale you know i mean it's it's a vast majority of uh republicans that chair these elections here so i mean it's as as many uh poll watcher well not even poll watchers but uh, you know, observers I mean, in the yeah. count. I mean, you've got from you've different got, places. They're all there. Yeah. Judges of elections. You've yeah. got the observers. You've got the folks that work in the office full time that do this. You've got the board of elections. That's your council members that aren't running that mm-hmm. put forward a firm and fair election. You know, I mean, that's just something that like, come on, that was twenty twenty. Like we're looking at. I mean, now now that this is over, we're looking at twenty twenty four after the end of. Eight o'clock tonight starts twenty twenty four. Sure does. You know, it's four years. 
it's four years after that. You know, it, it's time to move on. You know, I'm glad to see that uh, Republicans are starting to embrace the the mail-in ballot to the point where they're seeing that, you know, rain, sleet, snow, hail, sun, whatever, your vote's going in. It's it's counted. You know, and there's a I think a 42 percent increase I, I notice in Republican mail-in. So folks are starting to whether you like it or not, it, it, it's here to stay. So now you've got to learn the game changed in terms of when mail-in ballots became law, you know, and, and, and us as county officials, like, we don't create that law. We have to play inside the confines that the legislature gives us. And, you know, whether you like it or not, then you lobby with your elected officials and do what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But we need to continue to do what we can do to put forward the best campaigns we possibly can and to remain competitive to win. Yeah. Uh, 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 you've got your headset on. Let's grab a phone call. Hey, you're live with the county executive on the Joel Natale show. Hello. Yes, hello. Um, thank you for taking my call, and uh, welcome, Mr. County Executive. I think you're doing a great job. Um, so I was driving by the Erie County Community College on West State Street today, and there are a number of political signs on the community college's front lard, yard, and understanding that uh, – you know, it, somebody could say, oh, well, it's, they're not by the voting area and they're separate and things. But that's deemed, that, to me, county property. Our taxpayers are paying for the county, or the Tri-E3C, whatever it's called. And it just seems like then the county is somewhat impliedly endorsing the candidates that are signs are out front there. I don't think any sign should be placed on county property or property that's supported by the county. Uh, through its taxpayers. I mean, uh, so, I mean, what are your they, thoughts on so, that? So, I mean, they, I'm going to have them answer off the, the air. Thank you so much. So I mean, um, they shouldn't be there, number one. But I mean, here's the other thing that you got to look at. Yeah. So anybody that's ever worked a campaign, signs go out anywhere, everywhere. So I can tell you it's not the community college folks doing it. It's not county right. government folks doing it. People drive around and randomly stick lawn signs anywhere there's open and green space. And they probably don't have a clue that's even the community college, some mm-hmm. of them. So I mean... It is what it is, but then also there's the public right of way. I mean, if they're between where the, ideally where the sidewalk is and the curb, there's yeah. really not much that you can really do about it. Yeah. Um, and know. here's the other thing uh, that I didn't realize is that uh, candidates are allowed to put signs up near polling places. Mm-hmm. You know, 24 hours before. 24 hours before, and it's got to be outside of 10 feet of the door that uh, contains the voting machine. So if there's an external door, you can go within 10 feet of... So if, if the old Villa Academy, or which is now ECCC, which, by the way, is a renter of that facility, the, the mm-hmm. nuns own that yep. that space. I w- I'm not sure that, you know, if, if that place is a polling place, I'm oh, not I mean, sure it, that so, anything so, can be so, done. So yeah. if it is a polling place, and I mean, I don't have all the polling locations right. memorized, but I mean, if you can't, if you do vote on that campus, if there is one, then... That's 100% lawful no matter what it was. Okay. You know, that's the same thing as like a school. Say there's mm-hmm. schools, there's churches, there's different public buildings. The same thing as, say, a township building. You could put that sign up there. So, I mean, the fact that a sign's there, it doesn't make it unlawful. Right. And, and, and again, it's in for that, this in that short period instance. of time yep. where they're where they're. But, I mean, to be clear, to I mean, out, yeah. the county's not endorsing any candidate, any one way or the mm-hmm. other. I mean, it's either a candidate that placed there because it's a polling location or because it's a random person that said, hey, there's green space here and I'm going to plop down a sign. I mean, that's yeah, it's just the nature of campaigns. Let's let's talk about, let's stay with politics just for a little longer. You're a political guy. Um, 
you've got you've got four seats that are being contested uh, in uh, county council. Uh, uh, again, th- what is it? Three of them are uh, you know the the incumbent is running for re-election yep. and one open seat. Um, county council has been pretty split. In fact, has a Democratic majority yet votes as if it has a Republican majority. It's kind of an interesting so, situation. I mean, I, I, mean I, I mean, I push back a little bit when you say it votes as if it has a Republican majority. My counter to that would be it votes because it's common sense, reasonable government. You know, like, and I've said this a hundred times, it makes not a bit of difference to me. I mean, yeah, like which direction this election swings, I've proven that my administration is committed to moving our community forward no matter which way the political winds blow. Right is right, wrong is wrong. Laws of economics and math, like politics don't come into play or shouldn't come into play there. You know, I mean, anybody that wants to just, I mean, and you can read the, you know, the Times News, if that's what you want to call it. I mean, some of these candidates that talk about just the obstructionist vote to the administration. I mean, to me, I sat there and just shook my head. One, it's inflammatory. I mean, it lacks any kind of intellect whatsoever. But it completely ignores all the important issues that are going here on our county. How about the 40% of people when you call for an ambulance, one's not available in your community? Where's the article on that? Mm-hmm. You know, where's the uh, the project that we just started working on today? It's a potential investment of $1.5 billion. $1.5 billion that we're in competition across the country. 650 jobs at 100000 a year at average. What would that do to change our community? You know, but we don't have the site-ready locations with infrastructure that we're not even going to be in contention, but we're still honing. We're still sharpening our knives every day to get better and better to prepare ourselves for that. You know, so I mean, to me, we're going to work with whoever comes out the other side. This is the will of the people. You know, those districts are going to vote. They're going to elect whoever they're going to vote. And, you know, anybody that thinks they're going to come on council and just be an obstructionist vote, well, you better get your head examined because that's not what this is about. You know, this isn't my agenda. This isn't a win for me. A win for the administration, a win for council, however you want to put points up on the board. It's a fool's errand. What is a win for the community? So your goal, and again, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but your goal would be that whoever whoever votes, whoever wins in this election tonight, and again, it's a majority of council. Four seats are up for a, a challenge here. That you would hope, though, that they would get beyond maybe personal animosity for you or your politics and and uh be in line with what's best for the county and and to me it's like i mean i just sit here and chuckle for anybody that's going to oppose wanting to build a strong economy that's wanting to build workforce that's wanting to build education that's wanting to create a vibrant community that people want to live stay and grow and have a family and retire i mean what about that is political you know what about that do you oppose you know, and I, I guarantee you any of these obstructionists that want to stand even in front of the library, which mm-hmm. that lease is completely and fully executed. And I look forward to making that a resource, a gem. And we've already got federal attention. Noah and these other folks are like, this is exactly the right move. Colleagues in Chicago, they're like, congratulations, the Great Lakes water research people in yeah. current. You know, there's a lot of different things. that it, This isn't a win for me. You know, I, I've been very clear about this. Like, I don't need this job. You know, I had a job, I had a career, I'm retired once from the military. 
I've run a successful business to the point where I could fund a vast majority of my campaign and mm -hmm. two campaigns. You know, folks need to realize that this is about the future. This is about generations. It's not about what the newspaper and TV media want to report. This is about building something bigger than ourselves and that transcends generations. This is a trajectory. You know, I just met yesterday with the airport authority and the executive director of Pittsburgh's airport and seeing all the different things that they're doing. It's not just about people and airplanes. Mm -hmm. They're doing economic development. They're doing a, a, a lot of different things to help develop their economy and move things forward in terms of research and public-private partnerships. So now you've got Carnegie Mellon, University of Pittsburgh, working with this airport authority. So it's like the very same thing that some folks are like, well, we shouldn't have an entity like this in our library. So wait a minute. You're opposed to research in education in a library. You're opposed to taking an idea lab and putting more money and more resources that aren't taxpayer funded in a public library. Like I think this is just a lot of folks that are that, that are being misled by obstructionists here in our community. And I'll tell you, like I even wrote an op-ed, you know, to the time, that's why I keep saying the time so-called news. I wrote an op-ed, they refused to print it, but they'll give my obstructionists that same kind of time because you don't want to hear the truth. You don't want to hear the truth that this is, this is about politics. This isn't about progress. This isn't about community. This is about just the two party system which is lunacy on both sides a lot of times. Yeah. All about trying to tear down an administration to win the next election. For what? I mean, you're literally cutting off your left your your left leg so your right one does better. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like at the end of the day, you're still not going anywhere very quickly. And I mean, to me, that's that's the point I have. Whoever comes out the other side, we're going to work with them. Let's pivot off of uh politics here start talking about the meat and potatoes of what's going on um you know i did a lot of pro, uh, candidate profiles including uh almost every candidate involved in the county council races and one of the things we talked about was your um direction and priority of economic development and uh um, I, I want to kind of follow up on an announcement after kind of the West County hundred acre thing went south, the present Pleasant Ridge thing went south. You came out with an announcement that says, okay, uh, it's, it's going to be okay. We found another place that's a better situation. Do you have any follow up on that? What's, uh, what is the better situation that you were talking about? So, I mean, I still can't reveal um who that entity is but i will say that billion and a half site that is currently being searched for a billion and a half uh they're looking for 600 plus acres um we reached out to that landowner today and began some discussions to say hey listen you know let's let's see if we have the power let's see if we have the water let's war game this through and see if this is a viable option you know and that's the problem you know folks when we post these things, they're like, oh, it's it's project such and such, you know, and it's so coded. Well, listen, that's the way this is done. Mm. Even we don't know who we're dealing with on the back end. Because, I mean, you've got to look at trade secrets. You've got to look at companies that have employees. And they also don't want to tip their hand because they're right. negotiating with different states. You know, so that's just the way it is. And they act like, oh, this is the the administration that's, you know, 
playing shadow Very games secretive, and it's secretive. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, this is the way it comes to us from the governor's action team. This is mm-hmm. the way it comes to us from site selectors. The only way you're going to know who it is if you get the random, hey, I'm so-and-so, much like Dabmar that came from South Africa a few weeks ago or Breakwave Energy that we had come from San Diego the yeah. week prior to that. You know, those are the those are the great ones where you deal directly face to face, and it's more of a traditional business transaction. Um, Would you see that that whole deal going on in in California where they want to? I guess they bought up. I can't remember how many acres it had to be. Uh, actually, like fifty square miles where they're building this model city. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, near a Air Force base actually, and that's what's gotten people kind of. Uh, you know, me- messed up about it. Yeah, but, and they're gonna yeah. run. They're gonna run to some challenges there yeah. once they realize kind of the reality around. But they were really super bases. quiet as 100%. they were picking up their options. And you know? and, and that's the, the private sector has every right to do that. I mean, imagine if you want to put an offer. Anybody that's ever put in an offer on a house, you go advertise it to the world what your offer is, and be like, "Hey, I'm going to buy this house on one two three Main Street." Well, if that's your dream house. You don't want to tell anybody until you close on the thing, mm-hmm. right? You want that pen and ink. Companies are no different. They're not going to advertise. They're not going to tell their competition what they're doing. They're not going to tell them where they're going, you know, and, and, and that's the nature of economic development. I mean, you kind of got to operate in a little bit of the unknowns and a little bit of that unknown gray area and give them the information. And then, you know, once they make their final cuts Mm -hmm. you know and they get down to maybe two or three communities then they come to the table and say okay here we are and you know your incentives for the state and different things can come into play and your governor's action team sits down and says hey here's the incentives that we can offer right you know so uh, can i ask you this and again you don't have to answer obviously but is this a different project than kind of the rumored project about amazon coming to the green shingle so I mean that's a hundred percent different. Okay. You know, so these are they're not we're not we're not even in the same ballpark. I gotcha. mean, you know, there's a although lot the of, Amazon thing would be massive. There's huge. a lot. There's a lot of work going on there. You yeah. know, and there's there's movement there. But and, and that's the unfortunate part is, anytime when you're dealing with some companies, you sign NDAs, non disclosure mm-hmm. agreements. A lot of times when folks are like, oh, you know, these guys are being secretive. Well, you're bound by law to be that way. Yeah. And, you know, and that's that's the roles you got to play, you know, and that's to get investment to come here. We've we've got to look in all areas. We've got to leave no stone unturned, you know, and that's this is a part of it. You know, you're going to swing that baseball bat a bunch of times. You want to connect with the ball. You've got to swing the bat. And Erie historically just we haven't even stood at the plate, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's changing. Talk so one of the conversations that I've been having, too is yeah it's great that we can maybe have the green space land uh the you know the the economic development strategy but doesn't there need to be a part and parcel a uh a workforce strategy and and yep. and, and, and and you know i know we have the community college but we actually need the people the warm bodies do we have enough war you know do we have enough population to meet the need so i mean I'm sitting here, my cousin's moving his daughter right now. He's driving across country to Arizona to take her car out there. And that's another youth that we're losing. A young girl in her 20s, graduated college, like, see, I'm going to Arizona. You know, it's happening right now in my own family. You know, but what attracts those? So, I mean, you look at brain drain 
It's they're going to other opportunities. Well, I mean, it doesn't take a PhD level mathematician to figure out this equation. You seek opportunities. You seek where you can do well. And the communities that do well are the communities that invest in themselves. You know, when there's opportunities abound, that's where our kids and our grandkids are going. You know, they're not staying here. And the problem is, I hate to say it, but there's generations that have already made their way, that have bought their houses, had their kids, had their grandkids, they've earned their retirement. They did well. The kids of the greatest generation, the Korean War veterans kids, you know, now some of the Vietnam era kids, you know, but all these folks that saw Erie in its heyday in the 60s, 50s, 70s, a lot of these ones are the ones that are outstanding on the necks of some of these projects protesting them because, oh, they want to see us do well, just not anywhere near them. You know, and how is that fair? I mean, I can say definitively when I talk to my peers that are my age, the, you know, 40s, 30 crowd, the young families, the young business owners, even some in their, you know, late 40s, early 50s can honestly say they're not doing better than their parents did at their age. A lot of them already had a home, had a mortgage, they had income that was able to sustain them. That is not the story of our generations, and it's only going to get worse. Let's pivot again, Brent, and talk about some of the big uh, policy bullet points. Um, And uh, number one, the budget. How are things coming with that? What are the biggest questions that you're getting from council? Something really, I mean, it was a pretty... uh neutral process so far and we put forward a uh, a solid budget i mean the best you can with what you have mm-hmm. um there really hasn't been a ton that's come but coming back um i expect i'll be exercising a few vetoes i mean i see council has been aggressive with uh you know just cutting the little stuff i mean the comments that i've got from several of them is like man there's just not a whole lot of room left to make any kinds of cuts you know, I think the easiest... And, and you're saying that pretty much the, the tax increase is precipitated by having to renegotiate or all those labor contracts? So, I mean, there's, there, there, there's several things. So, I mean, one, you got to look at it this way. You know, take a $16 million deficit. So, say your costs go up a couple million bucks every year with inflation, you know, the wage increases of, you know, previously negotiated contracts and all any different expenses, just general inflation, general operating costs, whatever it is. Um, Things like pension costs going up, prison costs going up by a million. I mean, every time you look at any of these costs in county government, when something goes up, generally it goes up like a million bucks by far and large in the major ticket items or more. So, I mean, a $16 million deficit to the average person, that sounds huge. And it is, it's a big deficit, but previous administrations, what they did is they call what's plugging the holes in budgets. You know, you pull four million out of reserves. Okay, well, you pulled four million out last year. You pulled three million out the year before. Like that number keeps growing. So think about it like potholes. You know, and it's like you're trying to fill potholes with the gravel in your pocket. Well, you can only go so far with that, right? You can only plug the budget. So now you've got to make a choice. You pull your money out of your savings, or do you raise taxes to neutralize that? And and the longer that you wait to have those expenses auto or, you know, correct themselves, the larger that deficit grows, you know, and with the pandemic and ARPA funds. Is there something to this too, that, um, that there's just the, 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 the revenues from the current tax structure are just not up to, 
uh, and adequate to what the expenses are? I know that sounds like a simple math question, but I, I, again, I'm having a hard time understanding how a county that is in decline with population that isn't, you know, that it, it isn't really growing uh, shouldn't need that many services, you know, from year See, but, to year. So you would think that, but I mean, you got to look at the data. Okay. So look at it this way. We just talked about it. I mean, take take my, my younger cousin, for example. She's leaving. Now you're losing an able-bodied taxpayer, right? Oh, yeah. And when your kids and grandkids leave, historically, at the tune of, you know, 10000 per decade, typically, it's a 1,000 less taxpayers every year. Those that are able to relocate historically have done so. That leaves behind those that either are older or can't afford to leave. Right. You know, so what happens is, is you got to look at the the remainder of your base, your your citizenry, that's not in the workforce, that's retired, that's on either social security, that's mm-hmm. on disability, that's on, you know, some kind of welfare. You know, so that places a disproportionate burden on those that are sitting there paying taxes. And that's why I keep saying, like, there's only two ways here for government to pay its bills. That's pro-growth or taxes. You know, I mean, there's no two ways about it. And I'm the anti-tax guy. I mean, yeah, you can't tax your way into You know, prosperity. you can't tax your way into prosperity. No. I mean, I've said this a hundred times. Yeah. So we're not taxing our way into prosperity. We're taxing our way into paying bills. You know, and you, and you got to plug that. It's a responsible way of doing it. You know, we don't like to do it. But the problem is, is the state mandates services that says you will, by law, provide X, Y, and Z. And oh, by the way, that cost just went up three more million. And right. oh, you're going to hire 28 more people to cover this ratio at what point do you have to kind of i mean it's at, at some point we, i was talking to the mill creek parks and rec folks yesterday at some point the county said we can't afford to be in the parks business and they sold or gave away all the parks to the so to was, the individual townships that, that was judy lynch's era at yeah. the tail end of her era so i mean yeah i mean you couldn't afford it but i mean but at what point do you can you not afford to run a old folks home i mean we're already there I mean, that's, I mean, how, how many more times can you bail an entity out for 4.4 million or a million or 2 million? You know, we've got, we've got entities that we, I mean, luckily for us, we have gaming revenue and we've relied on that for a long time. If we were one of these counties that didn't have gaming revenue, the landscape here would look completely different, you know, but I think there's, there's some of that stuff with that gaming revenue that's gotten away from us. It's become pet projects, you know, for entities that should be fundraising for themselves and we didn't use this appropriately for say one-time infrastructure projects and and that's how you move a community forward like you can't have the same entities turn out year after year saying oh why give me my twenty-five thousand, give me my hundred thousand, and then turn out next year so okay now you're picking winners and losers that's not right and that doesn't benefit the entire tax base you know so it's things like that ems authority Mm -hmm. to be able to take this gaming revenue that it benefits everyone you know Who's opposed to ambulances? But, I mean, you'll, you'll see it. There's folks out here that will, will oppose this because they're opposed to you and your loved ones getting an ambulance quicker, faster, well-trained, and more cost-effectively, apparently. Well, I'm glad that, I'm glad that you're um, segueing into the EMS because you're about to do five public meetings, including one tomorrow night. Uh, uh, it's a public meeting on the proposed EMS Authority for Erie County. You'll be at Fort LaBeouf High School Auditorium, 6 o'clock tomorrow in Waterford, 
Thursday in Girard, 6 p.m. at the Girard High School Auditorium, the Mill Creek Township Assembly Room next Monday, 6 p.m. Uh, a week ago, a week from Thursday, November 16th, Northeast Middle School Cafeteria again, 6 p.m. Finally, uh, Tuesday, November 28th, after the uh, the holiday, after Thanksgiving, Heard Auditorium, Erie County Library, again with a 6 p.m. start. What do you? hoping to accomplish with these meetings. So, I mean, this is really just getting out in the community, you know, hearing what the average citizen, giving them the opportunity to hear these conversations in the panel discussion. You know, anybody that tunes into this show, I think is by far and large more educated on the issues and the topics because they get to sit there and hear us engage for an hour. And that's still not a deep dive into county government. This just scathes the surface, but it's Mm -hmm. better than that. 30-second news clip on the TV, or God forbid, a, a written media article that wants to sling it completely into the into the woods, you know, in terms of uh, slicing the golf ball. You're not really handling the issue where it is as it is. I mean, you've got your own agenda that you're playing. So, I mean, you, you can't believe all that's what's written. You know, it's written with a slant. So this gives them the opportunity to, one, hear from the Independent Steering Committee that is moving this thing along you know it's not my administration i mean it's just us proposing the funding coming up with the idea and setting it in motion but you've got resident experts subject matter experts in these different fields you've got township supervisors you've got you know ambulance providers you've got these folks they've done this for a long time saying hey these are where our gaps are how do we solve the problem i mean that's truly what county government is about making our community better, making it safer. I mean, who's opposed to getting an ambulance quicker? I mean, anybody that's ever had to dial 911 knows that seconds feel like minutes and minutes feel like hours. But the big the big complaint I hear is that you're trying to force feed an all uh you know, uh, you know, all one size fits all approach to EMS instead of a local uh approach that is kind of gathering you know, the individual people in West County, in, in Mill Creek, in East County, and so on. So, I mean, uh, I would completely, I mean, one, I would ask you, who specifically said that? I'm hearing it across the board. But, East, East County really gets uptight about well, this. Well, and I would say, of course. I mean, so, I mean, you need to look at, number one, who this information comes from. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I look at this based on data. When you've got a, a fire company that's only open seven hours a month, and they're the one of the biggest op- oppositions to this of course because you don't like so your dirty laundry being aired who's the the one that's i mean i'm not going to put it out on the radio i mean that's okay but, but i mean that's just the point is so you're I, saying I, a volunteer fire department with an ambulance there's a can there, only man it seven hours a month at best i mean i can share the data with they, you and i what mean you, they what have you an choose, amp, they have an ambulance that just sits there th- there's all kinds i mean look at albion albion fire department went under you yeah. know i mean you got platea that's res, res, uh resigning their uh licensure you know and it's and it's being absorbed by west county i mean east county but here's the thing you get these folks i mean even take the folks in east county i mean i've said it with a couple of these township supervisors that think they've got the answers but here's the thing you might think you have ems figured out in your backyard let's just say you're in harbor creek because some of them are staunchly opposed to this and i ask them and i pose them with this question okay You've got it figured out in Harbor Creek, but does your family ever go out to Albion? Do you ever take a ride out to West Springfield, Northeast, Edinburgh, anywhere else? Anywhere anywhere in the county where 40% of our county 
isn't going to get an ambulance when they call for one readily. That's the data. And I say, okay, now what? Heck, they're call- they're calling in mutual aid in the city of Erie. All over. And, and, and that's the thing, is that's another problem, is the city doesn't contribute. They contribute zero dollars. The city of Erie contributes zero dollars to the EMS. And, and one of the biggest supporters of this is Emergicare that operates in the city. Mm. So, I mean, you look at this. So I they're mean, just supporting this plan. Supporting this plan. Okay. Uh, Baznak's actually on that panel. Gotcha. So you look at these folks. I mean, anybody, number one, like anything in politics, folks that come out in opposition generally don't know what they're talking about. You know, they want to say, well, what about this? And as soon as you ask them, well, who said that? They don't know. Or they say, well, what about this? And then you show them written line and letter. Here it is. Here's what it is in black and white. They have no response other than talking points, empty narrative. At the end of the day, this isn't a one size fits all. We're already working in these different districts. West County, we've already put stuff together. We're, we've funded this stuff. We funded it with our transformational grants. I mean, we, we would have ambulances shutting down and they've already would have been shut down mm. had we had not intervened with this American Rescue Plan money to bridge this gap and gaming revenue money. Uh, let's uh, grab another phone call. Hi, you're live with County Executive Brenton Davis here on the Joel Natale Show. Hi, Joel, Mr. Davis. I have a question. Uh, it came up a little bit ago. Now, does she support keeping Pleasant Ridge Manor? Uh, I'll let him answer off the air. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, are you are you basically advocating for... Um, you know, kind of a, a disposal of not disposal, but so we have a, a transition for Pleasant Ridge. So we have a responsibility. So I mean, you got to look at the trends. I mean, to me, I look at all my colleagues across the country. I mean, county-owned facilities are at an extreme disadvantage because the reimbursement rates are vastly different than, say, what LECOM or any of these other folks can do. Now, why is that? It's state law. The reimbursement rates are different. We get less because we're a government entity. So that puts us in extreme disadvantage. And then you have a unionized workforce. You have all these different things, an outdated facility. I mean, there's a lot of different challenges out there. You know, but when we're only one of a handful left in Pennsylvania as our colleagues get out of this business is because they can't stay afloat. And then if you can't afford to keep up. So, I mean, just the thing that we're looking at right now is the the wage rates for the non-bargaining folks that are left out there. I mean, there's still people that make 11 bucks an hour or less out at Pleasant Ridge Manor. You know, these are the folks that are handling medications. These are folks that are doing the non-unionized work. And, you know, there's cost to all these things. So when you get to the point where you can't appropriately man a workforce because you can't attract them, you can't afford to pay them, the county's bailing an organization out year after year at the tune of seven-plus figures, over a million dollars on average— I mean, you got to look at the different models that are available. And one, I would argue that there's better models out there in terms of how you can still provide care for your indigent populations that can't afford it, but do it in their community. So imagine your grandmother lives in Corey. Well, why would you have to travel clear to Fairview? How many visits do you think grandma is going to get if the family in the wintertime has got to drive all the way from Corey to Fairview? You know, I think there's a way of distributing these beds paying for these things Mm -hmm. you know obviously pleasant ridge isn't going to go anywhere i mean historically if you look at how this is done it would be it'd be another nonprofit that buys it takes it over is able to rehab it has the funding the ability to do it 
and take it to the next level. And obviously, they'd have to retain the employees and all that stuff you'd negotiate. But that in your didn't contract. happen on the east side. That 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 building turned fallow, you know. Oh, completely, and we just tore it down. Yeah, you know. But that was because the need had shifted. Because you got to think back in 1920 when these were built. You know, that was the only thing available. And now there's, I mean, look around the community. There's a ton of senior living. Yeah, that that's interesting. All right. Um, what are what are priorities uh, for the county here uh, in the next month as we head into the holidays? Uh, again, you're going to be busting a move on this budget. Yeah, so we, so we have the budget. So obviously, I mean, that process is going on. Um, you know, we've got this EMS authority. I mean, that's the big thing. You know, I mean, when you live in a community where 40% of the time you call for an ambulance, you don't readily get one, you got a problem. Yeah. That to me is my number one focus right now, you know, to be able to appropriately fund these ambulances and make sure that when you call 911, help is readily available. I mean, that's a huge concern. You know, last year we had 1,267 dropped calls. 1,267 calls for help that went unanswered. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't get an ambulance. That means that your local service was not there able to provide a service, and we had to dispatch somebody else. And sometimes some of those calls could get dropped, you know, two, maybe three times in a call because it has to go to the next closest, right. next closest, next closest. So we were able to change the way we were able to dispatch you know, instead of waiting the six minute intervals when I took office and I was, I, I came in and I saw, I was like, this is just makes no sense. Let's in and out of service like a cab light. And we were able to increase 911 response time by 33% overnight. So, I mean, we've gotten faster, exponentially faster, but the need and the demand, we're still not meeting it 40% of the time. What, I mean, when you think about, we, we have an issue where we're having out migration that bl- that brain drain has not been es- established. We have we have um, probably a lot of workers on the sidelines that, for whatever reason, um, whether it's a, 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 they are not able or they're not willing or they're they're not capable of maintaining a job, it makes you wonder: Is there should should there be focus as you as you have focus on economic development? Should should the county lean in on this workforce piece a bit more? So, I mean, let's be clear about this. Workforce development is economic development. You can't have one without the other. Right. So when I talk about economic development, workforce development is a conversation that happens every day. Okay. So let's just, let's say EMS, for mm-hmm. example. You know, we've got transformative grants. Like if a person wants to become a paramedic or EMT, I mean, you can go to school for free. You know, yeah, because I mean, it costs the, a lot of money generally. And we've got the schools. I mean, there's, sev- there's yeah. several pathways you know the county is funding those scholarships right now to get people into the ems community but the problem is it's it's not a a career that uh you know really pays a livable wage at this point so i mean one it's hard work it's traumatic i mean it's literally dealing in trauma almost daily if yeah. not every day yeah it's not easy you know the volunteers i mean god bless them god love them i mean they do what they can do but i mean these are folks that answer ambulance calls when they're not at work and then they're getting up in the middle of the night to answer ambulance and fire calls, you know, and it's just the system, the way it was designed, you know, it's, it's just not something that we can sustain any longer, you know, and and that's why we need this quasi, you know, governmental model that'll help keep the volunteers in the loop, use them, keep our costs low, let them continue doing what they love to do and 
serve and hopefully make a few bucks doing it and uh kind of do it as, and that's how we've been able to kind of quilt this thing together like you talked about yeah. across the county it's not a one size fits all that's why we have districts that's why different areas have different needs but we got to look at this holistically like no township can solve this issue on its own mm-hmm. any and i'll challenge any township supervisor or, or city mayor out there that if you think you've got ems figured out debate me come on this show and debate me any single one, I'll take all takers because I'll prove them wrong with the data every time. Last uh, curveball from the tally here. I like curveballs. <laughs> Do we need? I, I I know that I know that Tina and Gene and 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 um, the ECRDA have built. Uh, you know, they're re- reviving that that brown space over at EMI. But do we need a spec building? Do we need to have? Uh, I don't know, 250,000 square foot spec somewhere and soon. So are you saying a 250,000 square foot spec building at EMI or no, anywhere? No, so anywhere, anywhere. So, I mean, I'll tell you right now, 250,000 square feet. If we built 250,000 square feet, we could fill it tomorrow. I mean, period, so, point, so point. I mean, 250,000 square feet's a drop in a bucket. We get requests for 1 million, 2 million. Okay. You know, so I mean. So I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I, I, my question is, I when I travel, we talked yep. about this last month. I travel, I see these buildings off of the interstate, and I'm like, oh gosh, I wonder what's in there. We've got our we've got our counterparts even in Pennsylvania that build these spec buildings two, three, four in time, and that's how far behind we are. We we haven't had a new business park since 1998. 1998. Like I was a sophomore in high school or yes. a freshman Knowledge. or sophomore in high school. Knowledge Park and see it's paying dividends even today. And it still is. And it's 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 ninety-eight percent full. You know, so I mean that's the thing, is like we're at capacity and, and obviously the spec buildings, the things that we have, the, I mean I and I get these questions, well, why can't you do why can't you do this? Like leave leave Fairview and Gerard, you know, fields alone. Well, that's not reality. It's not reality modern business does not want to be in the city redevelopment is expensive Mm -hmm. and you look at all these requests like you can't square peg round hole a modern economy you know they want room to expand they want room to make major investments if you want investments that are going to move the meter you've got to set the table that's like trying you ever tried to have thanksgiving dinner and you got a family of 40 and you want to have it right here in this radio show like listen why can't we just have thanksgiving down there in that porta potty. <laughs> well, it's not going to fit. And, 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 and who's going to come to that dinner? Well, that's the same thing that you're trying to sell to these modern industries when you're like, hey, come down here on 12th Street and jam into this building that was built in, you know, 1895. They're not having it. Work. Yeah. All right. Well, to be continued. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, sir, and uh, happy Election Day. Appreciate you it. as well. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.